Welcome to Simulcast. I'm Victoria Brazel. I'm Ben Simon. I'm Jesse Spur. I'm Jess Stokes Parish, and you're listening to Simulcast. Connecting the healthcare simulation community. So welcome back to Simulcast. I'm Ben Simon, and I'm joined by Vic Brazel and Eve Purdy, and we're here to talk about equity, diversity, and inclusion in sim. Guys, how are you? Excellent, Ben. So nice to be here and you being the host of the show today. I'm looking forward to it. I'm doing well, Ben, as always. Thrilled to be here. Sweet. And I am drunk on power as the host, just to make that clear early on. So I look forward to exerting my authority. So we've been talking about this subtopic for a little while now, I think particularly starting with our journal club last year on a lack of diversity in simulation technology and educational limitation by Rosemary Canigliaro et al., And more recently, we've discussed with you, Eve, a paper on the educational impacts of training everyone on how to deliver CPR on a male chest. And then I know that you both have been doing a fair amount of work on the hidden curriculum and the ways that we shape culture in sim for a little while now. And so it's really quite exciting to see all of this reflection and conversation around the ways that we share cultural values through sim come together to form something a little bit more practical. But before we go into that, Vic, I'm wondering if you could maybe tell me a little bit about your perspectives on where we are at the simulation world with this. Yeah, I think there's probably two perspectives on that, Ben. One is where we are in the simulation world, and uh, it's hard to know, isn't it? But I think many of us feel like we are not doing enough to promote equity, diversity, and inclusion through simulation. Uh, in terms of the simulation literature, which is, I guess, what we can at least read, this hasn't been a dominant discourse, I think is probably the first thing to say, with some notable exceptions. We had Christine Park's manifesto uh, in BMJ Stell last year, which I think made allusion to a number of these issues. Uh, we did talk about Janice Palaganis's cultural considerations in the briefing. Jerry Gormley's team have written a lot about uh, patient experience and participant experience in SIM. And the two that I really wanted to draw attention to was from the August 2021 uh, issue of Simulation in Healthcare, the first of which was the recommendations and guidelines for the use of simulation to address structural racism and implicit bias. And this is by Vora and colleagues, where they make some recommendations about what we should be doing, particularly when it comes to dealing with race uh, and trying to address that systemic racism. And an editorial in the same issue, moving from safe to brave conversations. And in fact, there was a little bit of controversy between the paper and the editorial. So I guess what I'd say is, Uh, In the simulation community, we are talking about equity, diversity and inclusion, but I don't think anyone would think we didn't have a long way to go. And Eve, how about your thoughts? Yeah, I think a lot of that talk that is happening is largely framed around two kind of different discourses. So the first being this idea that we should be striving towards non-tokenistic representation of the populations that we look after and care for, uh, which we certainly have probably not been doing a good enough job of in simulation. Uh, And then there's this second discourse around, should we actually be creating scenarios and curriculum Uh, that specifically target objectives related to equity, diversity, and inclusion in the way that we design, deliver, and debrief scenarios. So two very sort of distinct but overlapping strategies for how we can potentially improve our approach to culture in SIM. Um, Are you happy just to unpack a little bit uh, what you mean by non-tokenistic representation, Eve? Because I think this is something that we often wrestle with when we start with good intentions but are a little bit concerned about messing it up. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a bit challenging to 
define, but I think we know when we see uh, people who are portrayed in a tokenistic way. So usually that means the uh, a scenario that would have the embodiment of a uh, person or patient with some stereotypes uh, that are potentially harmful. Um, it's tricky because we actually rely on stereotypes and judgments to do our job on a regular basis, uh, but we really risk uh, defining somebody by a stereotype. And I think as soon as we start to do that, then uh, then then things become problematic. So it depends a little bit on, on intention, but also depends on how cases are created um, and how they fit into broader uh, goals and objectives. So I think if you're, uh, you know, running a scenario that has uh, a patient that is uh, Indigenous uh, and you run one scenario and you tick it off as your SIM team, uh, but you don't actually uh, think about inclusion and uh, the way that you're portraying Indigenous patients in the rest of the year when you're running your simulations, that would be a bit tokenistic. Um, so the risk is that we, uh, I guess, this becomes kind of a tick box exercise, uh, which is just uh, absolutely not the right approach. Uh, thanks a lot. So I guess what I'm hearing from both of you is that, you know, this is starting to become a part of the discussion within the simulation and healthcare community, but it's certainly not a dominant part of the conversation. Uh, and that potentially that's partly informed by just how complex this is, that this is not a simple, straightforward issue where you can uh, tick and flick a few boxes and improve the quality of the cultural representation necessarily in your team. Um and it takes a lot of reflectivity, uh, consideration, and uh, potentially some challenging conversations as well that can not, is not always be easy to start. And I guess to be sort of devil's advocate here, if I was someone with a relatively small simulation team who is interested in doing better at this, it could be pretty easy to get overwhelmed and put this in the too hard basket or put it in the um, this is not our mandate basket. And so I'm curious, Vic, if you would maybe be able to tell us in terms of where to start, can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing at Gold Coast and, and why now? Mm. Well, I think the first thing to say is I don't know that we're holding ourselves up as an exemplar. We're just trying to have a go because I think just as you said, Ben, the thing that we recognised was that we risked doing nothing because we were so worried about doing the wrong thing. Uh, and I think that's understandable. People don't want to offend. And so it seems, though, that if you just omit doing anything, maybe that's going to be less offensive than if you make a misstep. So we had tried to do some simple things like just having a look at the names uh, of the patients that we were portraying in simulation and trying to think about some diversity of those names uh, and genders and other uh, aspects that might be related to equity, diversity and inclusion. And we're also just trying to look at the scenario design issues. But I think we very quickly got to exactly what uh, you've been talking about. So instead, and this is thanks to Eve's thought, we decided instead to have a bit of a deep dive on reflecting on what we were currently doing and just try and raise our consciousness in respect to equity, diversity and inclusion in the hope that that would uh, make some more fundamental changes in our actions, behaviours and conversations in debriefs rather than trying to target something as an action. So really just starting with that initial reflective moment, even just to promote awareness uh, and consideration of those ideas. Yeah, and see if we even understood many of the same things because it turns out maybe not.
Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eve, what were your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think uh, some of my thoughts around approaching team reflexivity around EDI came from some reading, certainly in the last year, not in medical education or simulation literature, but more in, in social sciences. Uh, and really, uh, one of the papers that Vic mentioned earlier brought up this term white urgency. Uh, and I think we were actually, I feared that we were seeing a lot of that in the simulation community, actually, this uh, immediate desire to see that there's a problem and then want to fix it. Uh, and I think we we risked doing that when really uh, we know that the way that we're going to make changes in uh, who we are and the way that we think, which I think is what is actually required to make any headway on this, uh, requires what Vic said, a change in our habits uh, and a change in the way that we understand our own power uh, and what we are bringing to the table. And it requires work on our end. Uh, and so I really wanted to engage with our team um, in understanding who we are, how we think, and how that impacts what we're already doing in design, delivery, and debriefing, uh, seeing if there's small changes that we need to make, seeing if there's actually things that are a bit confronting for us to uh, to come up against. Uh, and then, and only then, uh, sorting out who we need to be collaborating with um, to move forward in a way that is thoughtful and measured. Yeah, I remember uh, having a beer with you one evening and, and talking about, you mentioned sort of we need to do the work, you know, and I think um, it is, it's an easy problem that a lot of people could potentially be concerned they don't necessarily bring that authenticity to the table if they're trying to represent uh, people or cultures who uh, they are not themselves from within. And, and I think that sort of point that you made to me of, look, we just actually have to need to be the ones to, to do the work and that that's actually okay, can actually be quite freeing uh, in terms of uh, stopping worrying about it necessarily being perfect or um, out of touch as long as we're approaching this with a uh, reflective and careful manner. So you came up with specifically a tool to kind of structure this team reflection. Are you happy to run it through for us? Yeah, I'm happy to give you a bit of a rundown. This is in the context of uh, having actually gone through a simulation case, being finished the debrief, and then the simulation delivery team, the group who uh, delivered the simulation, getting together afterwards uh, which is pretty usual in our setting anyways, to talk about what went well in the simulation and what could go a little bit better the next time. Uh, and we thought this was a natural moment to inject uh, a little bit of reflection about uh, how we're going in terms of equity, diversity, and inclusion. So we've come up with four pretty simple questions that the SIM team can engage in. The first is what aspects of this particular simulation design, delivery, and debriefing uh, were related to issues specific to EDI. So things like gender, race, sexuality, culture, power. How did they unfold and what impact do we think that had? The second question is, were there actually any missed opportunities uh, to incorporate or explore specific uh, topics related to EDI? So the probably the example that has come up the most often for us is sometimes even just a passing comment in the debriefing uh, that a participant says, that maybe as debriefers we didn't engage with uh, or we didn't address. So what prevented us from actually engaging in that conversation and how could we 
uh, address it differently the next time uh, if it were to come up again. Or perhaps it's something in the scenario design that was a missed opportunity uh, and a chance for our team to uh, explore uh, or really highlight a specific uh, EDI topic. The third, and I think a really important one, is were there any harms, either real or potential, associated with stereotyping or not addressing observed microaggressions, and why do we think that happened, um, and how we might prevent that from, from happening again? And then the, the kind of final question is related to our potential biases as they relate to the case. So are there uh, things related to the design that we maybe have a blind spot to or we're not actually experts in, and is there anybody else that we should consult? So if we happen to have a case uh, with a patient from a different culture, different socioeconomic status, or a a vulnerable group of some kind, um, can we reach out to any of the patient organizations or groups within the hospital that might be able to um, offer some perspective and, and assistance with the design or delivery of that case in the future? And then finally, we just assign some action items if there's anything to come from it. Thanks so much. Uh, and I really like how tight the tool is when you see it sort of visually. Um, and it all sounds well and good, but uh, knowing you guys as uh, well as I do, I, I can imagine that you're also really wanting to check out whether this works and how it works uh, and whether its intention uh, actually leads to some meaningful outcomes. Uh, so, Vic, you know, you've been using this for a little while now. How would you say it falls out practically? Yeah, so I've had eight or nine times now that I've led that conversation that Eve's just been describing. And I think, number one, it's just made our reflection better because we've been thinking about the scenario in general terms, not just in relation to EDI, but just to give you some sense of some of the practical stuff. So I think we've become much more consistent in our acknowledgement of the traditional owners uh, of the land before we start our simulation sessions. So that has been an improvement, just not, not just a consciousness raising. I think many of the things that come up do relate to power and often just in relation to how much airtime are doctors and nurses and, and seniors and juniors having in the debrief room. So nothing to do with uh, culture, sex or anything else, but just thinking specifically about power dynamics that might be in the room. Uh, some little things. So one of our registrars was wearing purple on the Wear It Purple Day, which people might know is an LGBTQ uh, day. And I pointed that out in the debrief. And I guess that's one of those moments where you think, is that a risk? Uh, does that person want attention drawn to it? I guess as someone who is same-sex attracted myself, I felt quite comfortable doing that. Uh, but I think they are exactly the sorts of things that then you reflect on and go, is that the right balance of drawing attention to something versus it just being a private um, uh, commitment that someone in the group wants to make? I think we talk a lot about patient representation and peer representation. So if, for instance, for reasons of feasibility, we are acting as the ICU consultant or we're acting as a radiographer, we've become much more conscious about how we might portray that person. And usually we just go for something bland and down the middle uh, when they're not there to be discussing their own role. So that gives you a flavour of the kind of things we've been talking about. And I guess one thing that sounds interesting to me is that uh, there's been a lot of reflection and that the tool is working as a prompt to advocate for and to consider marginalised groups within the hospital service, but also that sometimes the sort of microcultures or different groups that you might be thinking about isn't necessarily the traditional sort of 
ethnic or socioeconomic, that actually there's a number of different dynamics in play that are being um, named and identified through using this tool? It turns out that we can other each other in almost an infinite number of ways, Ben. <laughs> How exciting. So much possibility. Oh, yeah. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, no problem. So, I mean, r- really, when we think about what is diversity, diversity is what makes people different. Uh, and that has some, I think, kind of natural connotations that people think about in terms of uh race and gender and sexual orientation. Uh, But the list goes on and on and on and on. And I think the more that we talk about it, uh, the more we uncover what those differences are, and then start to think about what impact that has in the debrief room, but then also in our jobs. So uh, the, the number of times where in the past few months where I've actually spoken with registrars about issues related to equity, diversity, inclusion on a shift now, compared to uh, before has gone up as well. Uh, it's certainly a conversation that once you start seeing it, you can't really unsee it all around you. Yeah, much like your sort of work on the hidden curriculum, it kind of, uh, once you start seeing it, it's quite overwhelming. Um, and as so uh, how about from a research perspective, Eves, how are you going to approach this? Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the million-dollar question is what works and what doesn't work. And, uh, you know, I think it's not something that our group is entirely fixated on. We're more interested in telling our story about using this tool and what it's done for us. Um, Whether people find that that will be useful in their own setting, I think is something they're going to have to draw some conclusions from on their own. Uh, So in order to tell our story, we're engaging in a collaborative autoethnography. Just break that down a little bit. Collaborative means together. Uh, Auto means of ourselves uh, and ethnography means data-supported storytelling. So uh, we basically are uh, going through, as a group, a process of uh, examining our experience with this tool. So it started with some interviews. We interviewed each other, uh, about 12 people on the simulation team in our simulation service uh, engaged in interviews about what our understanding of equity, diversity, and inclusion is, what we think that might look like in simulation now, what we think uh, we might be able to offer and where we think our service should go. So that, that was actually before we started using the tool. Uh, And then we've started using the tool. We keep field notes on all of the conversations that we uh, have from these um, when we use the simulation debriefing tool. And then we, People have the opportunity to do a self-reflective exercise once a month where they can answer different questions uh, related to equity, diversity, and inclusion. And then uh, I think, Ben, we're going to have you do some follow-up interviews uh, at about the uh, kind of four to six month mark uh, to see where people are are at now. Uh, We're going to analyze all of that data. Uh, I don't actually really know what will come from it, and I'm not too bothered by the unknown. So uh, stay tuned for our story using this tool. It's quite interesting. One of the things that we already have done is some uh, analysis of transcripts of the initial interviews and some of the uh, surveys. And Eve has a tool that looks at that text and turns it into a word cloud. And she flashed it up and she said, oh, there's not much here yet. And I looked at it and the words think and guess 
were just dominant. I said, are you kidding me? This is the most interesting finding we could have. And it just shows how unsure and exploratory people's conversations about this are, at least in our group, who Mm. knows about other groups. And the thinking and guessing is where we're at. Yeah, basically all of the or at least 25% of the words in that word cloud were uncertain qualifiers. It's yeah, it's, it's sort of fascinating. And also I think doesn't surprise me once you start thinking about it, uh, particularly within an Australian context, I can, I can see that reflecting and talking about that stuff would be uh, dripping with uncertainty for, for a lot of different reasons. So I really look forward to seeing that unpacked. Um, if we switch back to the practical a little bit, though, what, what have you guys learned so far yourself? You know, for me, I guess this is a bit of a side as a researcher, but at mostly engaging with people who you think you know in in-depth conversations about a topic like EDI is very interesting and also a bit harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I think you could really only do that with a team that trusts each other. So our simulation team is very close. And uh, even still, uh, you know, sitting down across the table from somebody you know for half an hour and drilling into uh, topics that are uh, a little bit heavy was a real privilege. Uh, and I think is, is certainly not something that we've taken lightly and I think has been quite helpful for our team to get below the surface um, on even more issues than this. So uh, I would say if you can manufacture some opportunity to get into some deep conversations with the people that you work with every day, I'd highly recommend it. Hmm. Yeah, I think we've had a few honest conversations and helpful conversations for people to understand others. And it really just highlights and makes you think about your positioning in any group. And I think that's always a good thing. I think one of the other things that came up a little bit from all those conversations is that it it was actually quite a bit easier to get people talking about what they want to do and about some action uh, than it was to get them to reflect on who they are and what they bring to the table and how that impacts the way that we do our job already. I can imagine in an Australian context as well, where we're used to sort of very much downplaying our identity and authority sometimes, even though it might still be there in many different strong ways. That would be really interesting. So I want to follow up with a slightly challenging question. I guess we've we've talked a little bit about some of the findings you've gotten from using this tool. Um, I want to ask, how has this changed your sims so far and how has it changed yourselves? it hasn't changed our sims dramatically yet i think we had already done some work on some of those simple representation things i think it's changed our delivery to being a little bit more mindful and as you know we've been on a bit of a journey of particularly trying not to stereotype uh, others in the hospital in our sims and i think we do a pretty good job of that and people are quick to, shall we say, monitor themselves and each other when we find ourselves drifting off into some wayward territory in that regard. Uh, So this is your classic making out that the surgical registrar is not a very nice person or things that maybe get you a cheap laugh in your ED debrief room, but which we know are very harmful to the relationships. So I think we have continued in that vein, and that is nice to see. Uh, I think we are getting to the point now, though, where we've also had some conversations where we've discovered that people's idea of a tweak 
to incorporate um, equity, diversity, inclusion was actually a little bit offensive. And it's made us uh, realise that other marginalised groups are feeling this all the time. Uh, if we can find a spot for someone like me who is in many positions of power and privilege in this group to still find a place that I feel offended, uh, you know, you realise it's quite quite, uh, quite a powerful thing. Absolutely. How about you, Eve? Yeah, I think the uh, actually biggest kind of piece for me that I'm proud of is that the Sims haven't changed a whole lot. I think what I was worried about was that we were going to get, you know, a bunch of energy and do a bunch of things that uh, were actually problematic. Uh, But instead, what I've seen is uh, different people from our team prompting these conversations after they happen. So even when I'm not there, I'll get a text from uh, one of the other fellows saying, hey, we ran the simulations today and then we had a conversation after. These are the thoughts. These are the things we spoke about. Um, You know, maybe there's not much, but maybe we could change it in a certain way. And I think the fact that people on our team are actually engaging in these conversations together uh, is the piece that is uh, that's most powerful. For me, uh, I've been thinking a lot about next steps because the reflection will get us to a certain point. Um, but at, at some level, I do know that we have some work to do in the design and delivery of uh, simulations that perhaps fit more that second objective, which is, you know, or should we be designing things with specific objectives related to EDI in mind, which we really haven't been doing up to this point. Um, and navigating those waters uh, with uh, and alongside uh, populations who that matters to is something that I think uh, I've got in the back of my mind, but um, am looking forward to to sorting out in a way that is authentic and uh, and actually engaging. Um, it's a short answer. We're waiting to see then. Uh, ben, you've been on the outside of this or the edge of this, shall we say. Um, what has some of these conversations and being involved in the research done for you? I think it makes me think about the power of role modelling and in particular uh, that the simple act of inviting a reflection uh, can send a really powerful signal in and of itself uh, to your team and to the hospital about what we value uh, and what we need to get better at valuing. And so I really look forward to seeing these follow-up interviews in the next three months and exploring with people what their genuine response and reflections were because I think so much sort of transformative work really starts with that simple question uh, of where are we at and what can we do better? And so I really look forward to that playing out. Mm, fantastic. Uh, and I guess my final question uh, is, so if someone's listening and they're pretty keen to start playing with this tool and, and seeing what impact it might have on their service, where can they go? I think where they can go is to their teams, uh, see if this is something uh, not necessarily that people want to do, uh, but that people are willing to do. Uh, and the answer to that for Pretty much any sim service right now should be yes, because I think this is something that we we do all need to be doing. But I think starting with your team saying, hey, are you willing to engage uh, in this process? And then just giving it a go. 
Uh, and I think the the tool itself hopefully will guide that conversation in, in a pretty reasonable way. We're very open to feedback and having people adapt it to their own environment. Uh, really, it's a starting point, but I think uh, probably a pretty reasonable one for most groups to consider this type of thing. Yeah, and just on a practical level, uh, that tool is available mm. from the International Clinician Educators Network blog, and we will put a link to that in the episode description for uh, this episode. Fantastic. Okay, well, thank you so much for a fascinating discussion, and I look forward to us having a follow-up discussion a little bit longer down the line. Mm, thank you, Ben. Thanks, Ben. This is Ben Simon signing off for Simulcast. Thank you for listening to Simulcast. Simulcast. 